to the podcast on this lovely Thursday morning. Coming to you again, Austin Griffiths and Zachary Cordell. Zach's not here today, and uh, usually I'm the one running the roads, but today he's running the roads, and uh, so we weren't able to meet up today, but we are doing part two with Pastor Curtis Cordell on the coming of the Lord and some prophecy, and uh, so we appreciate him coming on the podcast and talking to us. And uh, if you've got some feedback um, for us, you can send that to 2Ps21 at yahoo.com, T-W-O-P-E-A-S-2-1 at yahoo.com, or you can find us and follow us on Instagram at 2Ps on a Pod Podcast or 2Ps on a Pod 21. You'll find us, and uh, we hope this blesses you and helps everybody. But we're going to jump right into it. Got a lot to talk about today. And so without further ado, we've got Pastor Curtis Cordell with us, and we're going to continue talking about the coming of the Lord and into some uh, prophecy timeline stuff here in just a few moments. And so uh, we're just going to reiterate a few things of what we talked about on part one. If you listen to it, if you haven't, go and listen to it. Obviously, you want to listen to part one before you listen to part two. And, uh, and so we talked about you know the coming of the Lord, and uh, we are pre-tribulation preachers. And uh, we believe and know that's what the Bible teaches, and so we don't apologize for it. Um, we're just a holiness pre-tribulation podcast. So we talked about what does the Bible teach about the Lord coming back. We talked about signs of His coming. It, could He come back right now, or are we waiting for more signs? We told you He's coming back at any single moment. And uh, we talked about you know differing views on the return of the Lord coming back for his bride. What does the Bible teach about his coming? What does the Bible teach about his timing? We quoted to you many scriptures, and uh, we told you talking about we must be ready at all times. We must be ready at all times. And uh, I was thinking about a scripture here, and uh, I think it's in there in Matthew chapter number 25. And uh, Matthew chapter 25 tells us about those five wise and foolish virgins and how those wise uh, took the oil and the foolish did not. And when the bridegroom the bridegroom came, the, the wise trimmed their lamps and went to meeting, but the foolish had no oil, tried to piggyback off their oil. said, oh, you got to go get your own. And when they went to get their own and came back, the bridegroom had already come. And they missed it, and the door was shut. You know, we can't make it on somebody else's oil or experience. And uh, I like that scripture right there because the, the question is, will the Lord come and catch you lost? Will he catch you undone? And uh, you was talking about that just the other night, about that how that's a picture of a Jewish wedding and how that groom would go and he would prepare the house and he would prepare the, the, the grounds in the house and make you know try to have them a place to go. And they didn't know the exact hour and the day he was coming, but they knew he was coming. And just like you told us in John 14 where he said, and I will come again. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm going to come again. And, uh, and so the signs of the time, we must be ready. The Lord is coming back. Amen. And, uh, you know, we mentioned there that uh, when the Lord referenced the days of Noah, the days of Lot, that they didn't know, you know, that uh, the Lord was going to send that judgment right then. They they had Noah's word, but they didn't believe it. 
And then some of them, lots of children even, had lots of word and they didn't believe it. Lot didn't even have a testimony with his own children. But the thing about it is, the suddenness, the suddenness of both times. When the flood came, there was no more chance. That was it. And then when the fire and brimstone came on, came on fire and brimstone came on uh, Sodom, there was no more chance. The same day that Lot went out, there was no more chance. But there's some uh, allegories and, and things in the in the Old Testament types and what what have you. Uh, Abraham was the friend of God, the Bible said, and Abraham knew God. He understood God. He knew God's character, and uh, you know Abraham also knew that he was a man and God was God. And he said, "I'm gonna uh, peradventure. I'm gonna say this." And he said, "You know, Lord, don't hold it against me." In other words, but he said, uh, "If there's you know uh, 50 over there, will you spare that city?" And uh, the Lord said, "Yeah." And, uh, you know, he got him down to 10, and he stopped. He could have went on, possibly, but he stopped. He maybe thought, surely there's at least 10 righteous in that great big city. But uh, apparently there weren't, and the place was destroyed. But here's the thing that's significant about Abraham's prayer. He told God, he said, Thou will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I'll tell you what. God, the Bible said God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right. And Abraham, he knew God's character, his personality, his ways. And he said, you will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. You know, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, when we declare war on another country, the first thing we do is we get our citizens out of that country. Yeah. We don't go bombing a country that's got our people in it. Amen. And when those angels came to Sodom, they told Lot, you got to get out of here. you got to get out of here. God was trying to get his people out. And uh, I know uh, Lot uh, had some, uh, you know, he had some questionable things there in his life. But apparently, according to the New Testament, Lot was righteous, it said. So Lot still uh, believed and uh, that uh, their their wickedness vexed him every day. He, he didn't agree with it. He didn't like it. And uh, But the, when those angels came, they said, you got to get out of here. you got to get out of here. We're going to razz this city. We've got a mandate, in other words, to razz this city, destroy this place and everybody in it. And finally, the Bible said Lot lingered. Lot lingered, and finally they revealed to Lot, "We've got a higher mandate. We got to get you out of here so we can get done what we got to get done." And they said, "We cannot do anything as long as you're here. Our hands are tied." Oh, thank God! I'll tell you, I believe that's a picture of the church in this old world. I believe that's a picture of the church. Amen. I don't believe God's going to send tribulation on this earth with his bride on it. I don't believe the Lord's going to rain down those 100-pound hell balls, send up all those locusts out of the bottomless pit, send in all those plagues that uh, the Bible describes in the book of Revelation. Amen. Until his church is safely 
out of here. Well, I'm not God, but I wouldn't do that to my wife. There we you go. You wouldn't do it to your wife. There we go. <laughs> we ain't God. Amen. I'm pretty sure God loves us more than we could love anybody. That is true. So, that pretty is simple true. illustration, but I would never do that to my wife and kids. That's right. And, uh, you know, when they told Lot, we can't do nothing as long as you're here. I'll tell you, that's a very... Uh, that's it's a very significant portion of scripture, amen. And uh, I'm th- I'm thankful for it, so thankful for it. And so we was talking about some signs of the times, and there's one great sign um, that you mentioned, and uh, I want you to talk about that um, here for just a minute, and that is Israel. Well, Israel is the super sign, in my opinion, of all the signs. There's lots of signs, like say to the last days, and. Uh, all these things, technology, knowledge, travel, uh, the all the things. The society has a lot of signs like that, but the church has a lot of signs. The falling away of the, you know, of, of people doing right. In other words, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, and uh, you know, it said they'll depart from the faith. These are people. At one time, they had it. They shall depart from the faith, it said. And in the last days, in the latter times, and uh, we see that nobody could deny that. Nobody could question that. It's all around us. But still, Israel is the super sign. You know, preachers that used to preach that Israel would come back together again and be back in Palestine especially, they tried to give them some other places. Uh... They were laughed at. Preachers were laughed at. They were mocked. H.C. Morrison, an old preacher, one of the old saved, sanctified preachers of yesteryear, was uh, one of them that would stand and preach because of what he read in the Bible. He would preach, God's going to restore Israel. Oh, they, he was, that's where this displacement doctrine, I think, first got its foothold, was that uh, the church is, you know, taken over the promises of Israel because Israel looked so hopeless. But wasn't that the whole point of Ezekiel 37? Hopelessness. Look at these bones. Look at these dry bones. Ezekiel, can these bones live? They're scattered all over this place. They're dry. They're dead. It's it. I mean, they have been dead a long time, just like Israel was. Thousands of years. And oh, Ezekiel said, thou knowest. Oh, Lord God, thou knowest. Praise God. Uh, he said, prophesy, son of man. I tell you, there's nothing impossible with God. And when you look over there, if we only realized, it's been there a while now. Some of these, uh, some some people, of course, you know, uh, I was born after 48. I wasn't even born until 62, 1962. And Israel came back together in 48. But... Uh, that seems like, you know, so long for us. That's a very, very, very short time for God. But that is the most significant sign is Israel is together again. They've got borders again. They're sovereign nation again. They've got their own laws. They've got their own military. And something that nobody that has been through what they was went through has ever done they have their own original language again. God has restored his people. And I'll tell you, they want to shove them into the sea. 
Iran and, and these Muslim nations that love to shove them into the sea, but Israel will never be removed again. And uh, the Lord told them over there in the Old Testament. I know I'm taking a little bit of time with this. Go ahead. It's this, great. Is, this is the biggest sign there is. Yes. If people saw it. Um, but now, you know, people been born like me, even after it, and, and you look around, but still, it's not a very long time. Um, but when you look at Israel and you see they're a sovereign nation again and how God has blessed them and raised them up, and you think about what the Old Testament said, the Lord said, they'll no longer, he said, I'm going to do such a great work. I'm going to do such a mighty thing. They'll no longer say that I am the Lord that liveth that brought Israel up out of the land of Egypt. He said, but they'll say, I'm the Lord that liveth that brought Israel back from being scattered all over the world, from being scattered all over the earth. Oh, I'm telling you, mighty, mighty, mighty act of God, uh, unsurpassed, unsurpassed in history of what God done. Here you've got, uh, uh, they'll, they'll be successful young Jewish people with degrees and, and making money and, and being in a place like uh, maybe London or, or maybe New York, some nice place where they're safe, and yet they'll get on a plane, and they'll take uh, maybe their child or two or whatever they have, they'll pack up their belongings, and they'll go over there into Israel to live. And not know and say, why. Say, what are you doing? They say, we just feel like going. Yeah. We just feel like going. And the God drawing them, I mean, going over there where they're surrounded by enemies bombs being attacked you know there's and, shelters uh, on every corner uh, unbelievable bomb shelters everywhere who i mean what is that that is god yeah you know the bible said he'd draw them uh from one from a city and two from a family what a prophecy oh i'm telling you what a prophecy one from a city and two of a family and i read that where that was brought to pass and no doubt it's been brought to pass many times but two people from different cities in Europe was getting on a plane and going to Israel. They were Jews and they got to talking and they discovered they was relation. They were closely related and they lived in two different cities and they was going back over there to Jerusalem or to Israel somewhere and they discovered that two of a city, I mean two of a family and one of a city. I'm telling you unbelievable unbelievable just the power of god well that's just a wonderful exhortation there i guess we can call that that on the podcast <laughs> of of just israel the regathering of israel and uh and we're gonna move keep moving on to talking about some other stuff but right now i want to uh jump to the the rapture itself you know this is not a day that the child of god should be uh not wanting to happen this should not be a day we already talked about watch 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 this is not a day that we should be like oh no i don't want that to happen this is a day that the bible says we ought to pray for it to happen the very last promise and the last prayer in the bible is revelation 22 and 20 where it said he was testified these things say surely i come quickly last promise then he said amen even so come lord jesus we're supposed to pray even so come lord jesus and for this day of the rapture this is going to be the best day for the child of god those that are here the paul told us for the lord himself shall descend the heaven with a shout 
voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. If you're dead, you'll rise first. But then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. With a shout, a shout of triumph, a shout of victory, a shout that will split the graves open, a shout that souls will meet their bodies, a, sh a shout, a shout, a shout. It will be a shout of victory. And then it says, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. And I love what First John 3 and 2 says, Beloved, we are the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know. That when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, the joy of a Christian that we're going to go to be in glory with God, with the Son of God, with the Holy Ghost. We're going to be in we're going to be with God for, like you said, we're going to be caught out. We're going to be on a seven-year honeymoon. We're going to be called out of wrath, called out of judgment. That's wrath of God that's going to come upon this world. And I know some people they get this mixed up. This ideology of wrath and judgment—they're two different things. You know, people talk about all oh, the judgment of God. Um, here, you know, this, or I should say the wrath of God. I had one person tell me that uh, maybe he's going to switch from pre-trib to mid-trib because he feels like this might be the wrath of God. I said, this ain't the wrath of God. This is judgment of God. I said, a lot of it is the um, ignorance of men, is the sinfulness of men that causes a lot of this. Samson caught a lot of the issues on himself because it was his own ignorance. He caused a lot of issues on himself that probably didn't have to happen because of himself. He didn't follow God's plan all the way. It was all Samson's plan. He only prayed twice when he wanted something. But you you, you read through um, you know, judgment and wrath. Wrath was in the raindrops came and killed everybody on the earth and saved Noah's family. Wrath is going to be when he kills a fourth of the earth. Then he's going to kill a third of that. And then the earthquakes and the famines. And uh, then you talked about the blood. You know, turn your shower on. There's going to be blood. Revelation 9 tells us there's going to be locusts. Five months where people will try to kill themselves and they won't die. You'll hang yourself and you just have to get down because you won't die. Shoot yourself in the head. Ain't going to do you no good. The, the, you know, the tribulation, the wrath of God, there's a difference there. And uh, But we as the Christian, this is something to be excited about. And you mentioned the other night that this scripture in Philippians 3 is one that older folks cling to. And uh, in that, so he shall change our vile body. So you want to talk about that for just a, just a few minutes here? Yeah, um, the glorified body. Um, young people probably don't... Uh, see the the blessing in that as much as the older people a lot of times and, a new back would be yeah. pretty nice though <laughs> <laughs> there, there's exceptions you know we yeah. have exceptions to everything but uh you know when i was young i thought i was invincible about it i, I hardly ever had any pain i hardly ever had any sickness or anything and uh but you know when you get older and, and your body becomes weaker and uh, more you know sick uh, more inclined to be you know sick and different things and uh, i tell you we can appreciate more that he said we're going to be like him we're going to have a body like him thank god a glorified body with no sickness no pain and uh, you know john emphasized that in the book of revelation there's going to be no sorrow going to be no tears going to be no sighing going to be no more death he's going to be no more hospitals no more ambulances Ain't gonna be no more ERs. Ain't gonna be no more morgues. Ain't gonna be no more graveyards. I'll tell you, it's gonna be a great time. Our glorified body. We're gonna have 
a perfect body all the time. And we're going to have a perfect mind. I like to emphasize that. You know, a lot of older people suffer from uh, some kind of dementia or something these days. And uh, the Bible, when Paul was talking to them there, and he said, we see through a glass darkly right now, but then, but then, face to face. Oh, my goodness. He was saying, we just see a distorted our knowledge is distorted. Our knowledge is vague right now. Amen. And he went to talking about how when I was a child, I spake as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And that was likening this glorified body and this glorified mind, this perfect mind that we're going to have. It's going to be as much or greater than um, adult, what an adult knows compared to a little child. A child don't know anything about life. A child don't know anything about making a living. A child don't know anything about having to pay bills or having to have a house and having to stay warm. And they, you know, they just trust that with their parents. That's all. That's all somebody else's worry, and somebody else has to do all that. But the the adult, you know, the knowledge of of staying safe. A child don't even know to stay out of the road. <laughs> so when we get to heaven we're gonna have a perfect mind we're gonna know everything perfectly we're gonna have a perfect mind a perfect body it's almost uh, incomprehensible to us right now yes sir that that scripture was he who shall change our vile body yeah. made fashion like in his glorious body that word fashion there to jointly form together to the body of Christ and uh, you know that Jesus's body ain't there no it ain't in the tomb you know and a lot of folks think you're gonna get a completely new body well in some ways you will but it's gonna be the same body just changed right you're gonna get a new body within your same body yeah. and it's going to be changed this body of lowest state this vile body you know in Colossians 3 and 1 Paul said that Christ sits on the right hand of God and uh, you know Jesus ain't sitting there with heart trouble you've got nine stints in your heart you yes, won't sir. then. He don't. No. And no. so you won't. You've got diabetes. He don't. No. So you won't. You know, you've got uh, bad eyes. You've had shots in your eyes many, many times. He never has. Right. So you won't. We shall be like him. And, you know, a lot of folks mention, you know, why when I know who my grandma is, well, I know who my mom is. And uh, why don't you just kind of, you know, talk about that just you know, some questions people have like that. You know, am mm -hmm. I going to, you know, like myself, me and my wife, my wife's had two miscarriages. Am I going to know who my, I've got two children waiting on me. Do they mm. even know who I am? Well, um, somebody said one time, I hope I know more there than I did here. <laughs> so, you know, if, if we know who each other is here and we're going to have a perfect mind over there, and we're going to have a mind like Christ. Yes, we will definitely say we'll, we'll know even as we're known. And, uh, you know, there on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples had never seen Moses or Elijah. But when, the G when Jesus had that meeting with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter and John and James did not have to guess who that was. They looked up there and immediately they recognized there's yes. Moses, there's Elijah. When the the rich man in hell looked up and saw Abraham, even and this man was in hell, but he was in eternity, yeah. and he said, "Father Abraham," and I'll tell you, we're gonna know in the next life. We're gonna know who people are. We're gonna know everything. And uh, Brother Neil Bridges talked about 
when uh, he had that heart attack and he left this world for a while, he went to heaven and he said he saw Brother Buzzard. And there he was. And Brother Buzzard said, sweet Lamb of God, if it ain't Neil Bridges. They knew each other just like they know, knew each other here on earth. We're going to know. We're going to know people. We're going to know our mom or dad or brother or sister or wives. And uh, we're not going to be married. And we're not going to have that same type of relationship in marriage. But we're going to know each other. We're going to know more then than we know now. Yeah. And people say the comment like, well, I'll just ask Jesus when I get there. Well, if we're going to be like him, you ain't going to have to ask him. You'll know. You'll already know. Now, I didn't talk about a knowledge download immediately to be like him. I tell you, it's going to be an awesome time. Well, we want you to stay tuned. We got Pastor Curtis Cordell coming to us again for another episode. And uh, we're going to talk about kind of a prophetic timeline, things that's going to happen in the end times. Amen. We already talked about the coming of the Lord, of the church, the catching away. And uh, we're going to keep moving on all the way through eternity. Obviously, we'd be on here for uh, months, if not a year or longer, to talk about it all in detail. But Brother Curtis has agreed to come on here and just hit the highlights of what's going to happen. So stay tuned for our next Why I Believe series episode. And here is the Vanceburg Holiness Choir um, singing I'm Going Home, written by Benjamin Staggs. He goes to our church. We had him on the podcast many months ago. And we're going to play his song as we go out of here. We will see you later. <laughs> 